And welcome to an episode of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I believe this one is going to be episode 84. That I'm is correct. Chris, <laughs> I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. And uh, we are amateur astronomers. That means we love looking up at the nighttime sky. And this podcast is for anybody else who likes going out under the stars and doing some astronomy. My apologies, Shane. It took me exactly 40 minutes to get the show going today because of a multitude of technical issues on my end. And so there's It happens. That. Yeah, no worries. It happens. Uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll have to deal with technical issues again one day, but uh, yeah. No big deal. Thanks for your patience. I do really appreciate it. We, so I had my computer wouldn't start. So that's always a problem. And I couldn't get Zoom working because a setting had changed in Zoom. So I was, I was battling it on two fronts and I finally got my computer going. I finally got everything restarted. I finally got logged back into Zoom and I hit record and my internet went out my house. <laughs> So I completely lost internet <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here today? Just like, almost like this, this podcast wasn't, uh, wasn't going to happen, but Shane, how, how was your week other than this morning and dealing with all my, uh, problems and, uh, do you have any shingles left on your home? <laughs> uh, well, most of the shingles are there. Uh, we have a, <laughs> we, we have about a four foot by four foot patch that, that got stripped off in this crazy storm that we had earlier in the week. And I'm going to have to end up getting my entire roof re-shingled because they can't, they can't match the shingles. So, uh, you know, I guess yeah. that's what insurance is for. And if there's one thing I always say is that you got to have matching shingles, you know, of course. Yeah. 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 If the shingles don't match the trim, we're not going to be friends anymore. Uh, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a storm here. A winter storm that had winds in our area of 126 kilometers an hour, about 80 miles an hour locally, topped out at 145 kilometers an hour in Alberta. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that uh, near where we go observing in, uh, in the Dirt Hills, which is just outside of Moose Jaw, I heard that down there they topped out at 170 kilometer an hour winds. Oh. Yeah, I had heard, um, you know, again, there's a lot of stories coming, but, um, you know, how factual some of them are, I'm not sure. But that uh, at our airport, I think, I think they recorded 143 kilometers per hour, and then their, their wind sensor thing broke. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Uh, all I can say is I've lived here my entire life, and I've never seen wind like that. Like that was just something else. Yeah, that's about the second or third uh, windiest condition that I've I've been in. So I've I grew up on the Atlantic coast and experienced some hurricanes, and uh, I've experienced about two hundred kilometer hour winds before. Wow! And I I think this was, and I think I experienced one that was in like the one seventies. This one to me, it didn't seem like one seventies. Um, but definitely, uh, we were getting everything that I've, I've experienced up into like the one thirties. Um, and, uh, wow, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, I don't think people here realized how dangerous it was because there's shots from people like going out in it and that sort of thing. Um, and then like there was giant shingles hitting, hitting our house. I thought we were losing our roof, but I guess fortunately for us, unfortunately for somebody else, somebody else lost their roof and it was bits and pieces of their roof colliding with our roof that I was hearing. 
so that's never good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that was a rough storm, and and really, that's just uh, kind of the pinnacle of the bad weather. But there really hasn't been any clear skies for observing um, this week at all. Like last night, there was some sucker holes, but really, no opportunities for observing. Well, and I went out. I just went for a walk around our loop because everything it warmed up, and then everything's covered in ice and. Uh, and so I have like these cleats that, uh, that my wife bought me and they're awesome, uh, for walking around on the ice like that. But I mean, I don't even know how much exercise I'm getting, but, uh, oh man, it, uh, it was windy, you know, it was like 30 or 40 kilometer hour winds, which is, which is about too, pretty steady, too windy to do, to do any astronomy, though it was somewhat clear, uh, like you were saying, but, uh, yeah, so no astronomy for me either. And, uh, mm-hmm. just really, really lucky that, uh, I mean, we're, we're lucky once you get up into those kind of, uh, storms, um, people, uh, people can unfortunately start to perish in them pretty, pretty easily considering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I tweeted out a, a screenshot of, uh, I'm not sure, Chris, if you're familiar with the app scope nights, it's no. very similar to, uh, the clear sky clock or chart or whatever. Um, this gives, uh, gives you a forecast, like an astronomical observing forecast for the next week or 10 days or something like that, or actually it's close to 14 days. Okay. Um, and, uh, they break the night into segments, like three or four segments and tell you whether or not it'll be good, bad, or ugly. Hmm. And, uh, it is for the next 14 days, we basically have poor forecasts for every night. Meaning yeah. you can't do any astronomy. So, so it's not looking good for us for, well, at least the next two weeks, I guess, unless, well, I guess, uh, you know, this can change too, but uh, I'm not expecting, you know, big deviations. I, I don't think you and I will be doing a lot of observing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised as long as you don't get any more storms like that. I mean, how many, how many of those storms can, can you get before? Like, I mean, our house was just like, it was, it was shaking so bad. We went downstairs for the worst hour because you couldn't even be upstairs. Um, what with all the, uh, what with things just colliding with the house, it was really disconcerting <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was something else. I've never, like I say, I've never experienced wind like that, but yeah, I'm glad it's gone. And yeah, hopefully that's like a once, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. So, I, I mean, I've been getting a bit of cabin fever. I, I don't know about you. So I've, I've sent out some emails. To yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I, I've enjoyed them because I am getting some cabin <laughs> fever. And, and really this, this cabin fever, we're getting to almost 12 months of it for me. Um, yeah. Because it was like March, middle of March, I think in 2020, when COVID kind of, you know, it hit our province and then we were under lockdowns. And really since that point, I haven't, like, I haven't really left my backyard too much for observing. Like you and I and Mike have uh, uh, some, we've done some short trips just outside of the city here. Yeah. Um, you know, for a couple hour sessions, but nothing too serious. Um, so I really do have some cabin fever, particularly a desire to spend a night in a tent and do some observing. In fact, I almost tented last night just because of this cabin fever building. Like just like in your living room? No, <laughs> with your, no. My, with your my stuffed pet. animals huddled around you? <laughs> well, the, the stuffed animals, yeah, they, they would have come on the voyage with me, I'm sure. But uh, my brother and I were thinking of doing some winter camping and it just we couldn't line it up. So, Oh, yeah. Asking your wife to bring you cookies and milk. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> the luxuries. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did get away once, but, but sort of like unfortunate timing for me was that uh, they were doing all this construction in our office starting uh, last uh, Christmas. And so like in my office anyway, many of us have been working from home more or less since Christmas of last year. So I kind of had about a two month jump on, on, on this anyway, because I think I went back to work for two weeks and then I had minor surgery for a week. So I was out and then I came back for a week and then I went home. So mm-hmm. I've kind of been, except for a couple of weeks, I've been home since Christmas of 2019, which starts to sound pretty ridiculous because we're in 2021 now. So yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've spent less than, I've spent less than 20 days in the office since 2019. So that's wow. kind of a strange, a strange, strange thing. I've worked from home before and sort of like in, in an ideal world, which we're moving further and further away from every moment. Um, you know, I think I would like to work from home, uh, like say half time or something like that. I would like to go in half the time and then work from home half the time because there's nothing, nothing beats, uh, not having, uh, distractions or like, people deciding that there's going to be a meeting and then like you're in a meeting and then you're in another meeting and then like the day is gone and your work is not done. All right. So yeah. So I sent you out some emails on cabin fever and potential observing sites. So uh, one of them was really far and doesn't sound like it'd be a great site. And one of them's pretty close that one by that little lake. Yep. Yep. So Chris, when you're, when you get this cabin fever, because this isn't the first time you sent me emails about potential observing sites and, and I enjoy them. You know, I, I like to have some options for where we can observe Mm. and, you know, each one of these sites seems to offer something kind of unique, but when you're, when you're looking for this stuff, how do you do it? And what are you looking for? So I, I like looking at maps anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's just a fun thing to do. Uh, but sort of this time, uh, what happened was I was I was chatting with somebody who who is a listener of ours, but he's also uh, somebody who who had taken uh, one of my classes at, at one point in time. We've kind of stayed a bit in touch, and he's gone through uh, some telescopes and and that sort of thing. And uh, it'd be great to kind of get together, and maybe do some some observing once uh, once this is over. Um, but he had a pretty good dark site in one of the community pastures. And I was like, oh, that'd be really good. Cause one of the things around here, so we have, we have these great big, huge open stretches here in Saskatchewan, which are awesome to go observing in, uh, except in the winter, it's really cold. And then in the summer, they can be out there tending to the crops. So as soon as you can go out and set up and then here comes the farmer and he's going to be like going back and forth all night spraying, which is never good. So you don't want to be out there when that's happening or harvesting. And then you got all the dust. So uh, I was thinking community pasture could be good because, uh, of course, they're not out there um, tending to to those fields in, in the same ways anyway. And you can just go kind of park in a in a pull off or something like that. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, I did I always did like the spot we used to go uh, into the the dirt and cactus hills, but I uh, uh, that area was very high. It was almost too high up. You know, we we could it felt like you could see the curvature of the earth from there, and uh, wind uh, definitely was a problem on on a few nights so then uh, it was sort of look, looking around and like that general area and and found uh, looks, looks like a fairly uh, de- decent place although there might be some lights there so so I don't know I don't I don't know I just thought that might be might be a good spot but what I do is I take a look at the uh, 
at the Google Maps just to kind of find areas that don't have too much agricultural action going on, like more like pasture land, because one, um, you don't want to go running around in, into farmer's fields. If you go on a farm road or something like that's fine, but um, really you ought not to be going on to um, anybody who's planting crops or anything like that. Cause you could damage the crops and uh, that's just kind of bad practice um, for a whole variety of reasons. That's somebody's livelihood. And, you know, like, do you really want to be eating stuff that someone went and drove their car over? Um, and then the other is um, typically uh, they, they will graze cattle on some fields and then not others. And I found anyway that typically the farmers are, are pretty good about uh, getting a phone call and letting you know, oh yeah, like that's no problem. Just go out there. And usually you can find two or three plots in an area where, uh, where you can get to, but uh, yeah, just not too much agricultural going on. And then um, the dark sky finder, that's kind of the big thing. So you kind of want to pair those, those two things up. Like I think Mike came back and made a suggestion for another possible site but i think that area might have just a few too many lights but it, it would probably be okay and that area is actually reasonably close like within an hour or so drive of here and mm -hmm. so that could uh that that could definitely be uh be an opportunity as well but uh you know sort of ultimately i'd like to like to get a get a cabin uh somewhere but uh you know we'll see and yeah it's good to have have some altitude uh as well so but yeah it's kind of an adventure you and i kind of went on a, some adventures in the past just like looking for for sites and and that sort of thing and um that can sort of sort of be fun to do from time to time and uh it's been a number of years since we've really done that but this this spring i may be itching to do that pretty bad mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know and just for anybody uh, that has never heard of the dark sky finder essentially what it is like just do a, an internet search for that and it's basically like Google Maps with an overlay. And the overlay is a light pollution overlay. And it'll show you where, you know, places are dark versus not dark. And it is quite helpful when you're trying to find a place to observe or mm -hmm. maybe even just improve, you know, your uh, conditions from where you are right now. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty eye-opening, in fact. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like just the impact that... Um, you know, our small city that is around, I think, 275,000 uh, population, um, you know, just how much light pollution, like how big the light dome is, how far it extends. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's quite impactful. And um, I think there's even some apps like Dark Sky Finder, uh, I can't talk, Dark Sky Finder apps uh, that you can download to. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a handy tool to have in the toolbox. Yeah. And, you know, that I, I always did enjoy that spot because I always felt like it was, uh, well, that, that's an exceptionally dark area. And then there's these hills and it's, uh, it's great to be able to put the hills between us uh, and the city. And they're, they're, you know, they're, they're good sized hills. And then uh, there's, there's not many uh, people up, up in that area either. So you're not going to really have much in the way of uh, ground traffic, but you know, at, at some point, I think, you know, that, that place has limited, uh, it's only open for three months. Of course we lose June. So then there's only two months in the summer. And then, uh, I may, I may shoot them an email just to see, see if I can actually talk to somebody, uh, you know, about, about the location or, or take a drive up there, uh, once, uh, once the snow and that uh, starts to melt. But the other thing is if, if we go South here and, and people may find this, like no matter where you live, 
um, some areas are just going to be slightly better than others within say a one to two hour drive uh, from your current location. So um, for us, that area gets, well, it has very good South exposure, which is great for, cause you're always going to want to be looking South. So it's a little bit further South, but also very good South exposure. So the, uh, the snows are going to melt up a little bit faster than they will here. So you're going to have about another uh, two or three weeks uh, without snow on the ground, which is good because it makes it easier to get in and get around. It also uh, doesn't reflect as much light. And then um, that area also gets about six or eight inches less uh, snow and other precipitation through the course of the year. Like it's a slightly drier spot. So mm-hmm. you're not dealing with, uh, with clouds and rain and, and such uh, quite as much. Like it's, it's about 20% drier, I think, or whatever, maybe, maybe 10% drier, I should say, than, than here in, in the city that, that we live in. It's a little bit higher up by about uh, seven or 800 feet too. So you're, you're a little bit higher up in the atmosphere. So it, sort of a, a better, better spot. So altitude as well, uh, definitely, definitely something to, uh, to look forward to. Yeah. What I, I noticed that it's a, uh, so it's a regional park that has been around in our province for a long, long time. Um, but it closed for a period of time and then has reopened recently, like within the last year or two, I believe yeah. uh, to be a regional park again, it's quite small. I think there's only six campsites, but what I was also thinking is that, um, we could do something like what we've done with Grasslands National Park, where we partner up with them yeah. um, to promote, you know, the dark skies and, and kind of nighttime use of the park, but also responsible yeah. lighting. Um, you know, it's sort of a win-win, you know, like when we've done that in the grasslands, um, you know, we win as astronomers by helping to keep it dark, you know, and that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of our selfish agenda is we want a good place to observe uh, but the, the second win is the park, you know, gets some greater exposure in terms of usage and usually more traffic. Um, and then they also kind of get like, you know, in a way, um, you know, us doing some public outreach for no, no real cost to them. And, uh, you know, it's a, a great promotion for them. So, um, you know, that might be a possibility here too. Like if these folks are looking to um, you know, maybe get a little more traffic through the park or, or maybe instead of three months, they could do four or five months because there's just more demand. Um, yeah. you know, that's yeah. an opportunity too, that we could maybe look at. Cause you know, I, I enjoy the public outreach now, given our current pandemic situation, probably not this year, but, but certainly, uh, at some point. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it could be a good year to kind of, uh, seek out a place and, and evaluate and, and see what kind of, uh, kind of work we can do because it's hard to do all that in, in one year as you and I as you and I both know having done it a few different times in a few different places and uh, having having proximity is always best and then and then having the the good skies uh, on top of that would uh, would definitely prove uh, beneficial though uh, that area would would need uh, yeah a little bit a little bit tighter restrictions because I remember actually remember uh, we had, we had that individual from, from, uh, the air force who would come observing with us. Yeah. And, yeah. and the whole reason why, uh, met up with that individual is that somebody on the, on the other side of where we used to go observing over there had shone a laser into the sky and he had reached out to, to find out at where our observing site was. And that's how we ended up connecting in the first place, because, hmm. um, that's very, that's near an airport, like sort of strangely enough, there's a remote airport in the area that does, um, military, uh, training, um, 
for, for NATO or something like that. It's pretty big. Um, not many lights on it and it's low, it's sort of in a hollow. So, uh, that, that would be, uh, definitely one thing to, uh, to keep in mind there. So, yeah. Well, you know, what excites me about it is the small size. Like when we started going to Grasslands National Park, uh, particularly the East Block, there was like six sites there, essentially, or yeah. eight sites, something like that. And it was so dark and there was barely anybody there that it was awesome for us. Mm-hmm. Um, now that park is, you know, over the years has become extremely popular yeah. uh, and they've expanded it a lot. So now there's probably 30 or 40 campsites a lot of fire pits. And the unfortunate thing with popularity is it does bring just more lighting, you know, people's RVs, people's flashlights, the campfires, and it really has started to impact, um, you know, the, the quality there to me anyway. And it's still a fantastically dark place and a dark sky, but when, when you have a site that is as dark as it was, it doesn't take much light to spoil some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this new site, because there's only, you know, seven campsites, um, there's just far less potential for, uh, you know, unnecessary lighting. So I'm excited to see this place and see what it could turn into. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to take a drive over and, and check it out once, uh, once we get some melt, of course, now that we've had all this nice warm weather in December and January, we'll probably get like this really horrible drug out minus 20 weather into uh, April or May, like has happened in the past. When- well, it's coming in a week or so. There's that, there's some sort of polar vortex happening that will, I don't know, it's doing something with the jet stream and we're supposed to run into the daytime highs of about negative 25 Celsius. Yeah. Same old day. Eh? Hmm. Cool. So I haven't been doing any astronomy. No, me either. (laughs) The the closest I've come is I've done a little tinkering uh, just in the basement. Uh, I was working on the Tasco 10E, just tightening up the focuser, making that work a little bit better. And then for my TAC 76 uh, DCU, um, so most Takahashis, I believe, except like the real expensive, real, you know, kind of high-end, larger aperture ones. Uh, the focuser is, j- is just a single speed focuser. You and I have kind of complained about that on previous podcasts. Um, but Takahashi sells a, um, a retrofit. So you take off one of the focuser knobs, you put the retrofit on there, and it turns it into a dual speed focuser. Hmm. Um, so the part number or, or model or whatever, it's M as in mother, E as in Edward, F as in Frank. So MEF dash three. Um, I picked up one of those and installed it on the 76 DCU. And I'll tell you, like the installation was super easy. Like I think I was done in about seven minutes Okay. (laughs) and, and the motion of it is, is, it seems really good. Now it's easy to test in my living room. Uh, we'll see what it does under the stars. Um, I've heard that there can be a little bit of tuning required that some Mm -hmm. people think it's kind of spongy. Um, so um, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, how it, how it does work uh, while observing and see if I have to make any adjustments. Some, some people say the same thing for the feather touch focuser. And I, I gotta admit, I've never really noticed it. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think the feather touch focuser is pretty close to, to ideal, but yeah, I, I like that. I like the, you know, um, the, the look of that uh, add on it. Uh, it kind of looks like a little piece of Meccano that you put on there and uh, you know, I, I think it should, <laughs> yeah. look, it should work pretty good. Yeah. Well, and what I like about it is I, I do like the, um, 
just the stock appearance of the Takahashi. So this maintains that stock appearance because you keep the original focuser on. The focuser still has some limitations, the biggest being such a, a short draw tube. Mm. Like I think there's only about an inch or maybe inch and a half of travel, um, yeah. which really, you know, it isn't a lot. And, and the Takahashi answer to that is you just thread on these extenders essentially, um, which, you know, push the diagonal further away. Um, and like it, it, I have that Q extender. So mm-hmm. when I put the Q extender into the, into the telescope, I have to remove all of the focuser extensions and then all my eyepieces come to focus without any issue. Mm. When I remove the Q extender, I have to add one extension (laughs) to the focuser and then everything works. So it's kind of a pain in the butt, but you know, once you know that you can at least prepare for your observing session and and have the right pieces in place so that, you know, everything works. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, some of the Takashi focusers seemed a little bit better than others. So the one that came on my 60, I didn't care for as much. Uh, the one that came on my 100 um, is awesome. Like, it's great. So I took my 100, 100 millimeter focuser and I put it on my 60 millimeter, which is kind of funny because it has the big 100 millimeter nameplate on, on the 60 now. Um, but, but then I took my feather touch that I had made for the 60 um, and I put that on, on the 100. And yeah, for sure, I run into some focus issues now on on the sixty. I guess if I was if I was going to travel and didn't want to mess with either extenders or whatever, or to be able to get uh, some things to focus, then then I could just swap it back. But basically, the the feather touch just lives on on the hundred now. And apart from a few configurations, uh, I just use the uh, the Takahashi focuser on uh on the 60 and it's and it's all good but we were gonna have um a listener on today maybe we should talk about the podcast a little bit here yeah uh justin um he lives in the u.s i forget where i want to say it's like i think it's Louisiana, nashville okay yeah it's it's somewhere southeast um uh, in the united states and he, uh, he does 3d printing and he does a lot for astronomy. And one of the things, so, you know, he submitted some observing reports. Um, he received an Orion ST 80, uh, with some eyepieces, um, but he needed rings and a dovetail. So mm-hmm. he 3d printed them and, you know, he was sending us some photos of this and we got talking about 3d printing, asked if he would be interested in coming onto the podcast just to talk about 3d printing and how it can um, kind of support or be a part of astronomy. And, and he agreed. Um, we were tentatively scheduling this weekend, but uh, it didn't work out. So we're targeting next weekend now. And I'm quite excited for that, Chris. Um, you know, 3D printing fascinates me, particularly, um, you know, how it can be leveraged in astronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, although my big fear in all of this is that after the episode with Justin that I'll be shopping for a three D printer and spending money? <laughs> yeah, that that's always that's always the risk. Although I think I think the public libraries here you can you can send your stuff over there and they'll they'll print the stuff or whatever. But uh, yeah, and isn't there that like another sort of crowdsourced one? Um, remember, you brought them in to speak at one of our yeah. meetings years ago. I don't know. Yeah, if they're I don't still know if operating. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they like, are. It was like not. an innovation lab or something like that. Yeah. Like there's, you paid a membership and you had access to a 3d printer and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a few things like that around and uh, yeah, that stuff's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what Justin has to say, uh, in particular about the uh, the ST80, uh, which is an 80 millimeter F5 uh, short tube. They're they're fairly ubiquitous. You can get them from another uh, from a variety of manufacturers, but then uh, Orion Telescope and Binocular has has re-released another version of it. Um, which apparently is is pretty much identical to, to the ones in the past. And I think it looks really, I think they look really nice. Um, I just like that white tube and the, the color coding on it. I, I know it shouldn't matter, but I, I just, I think they're kind of sharp looking. And I think the OTA or the optical tube assembly alone is just like a hundred dollars US. Um, so they're not super expensive, but then you can kind of tweak them and, and, you know, from, from Justin do some 3d printing to, uh, to really get the most out of them. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to that as well. So the other thing we've, you've been, and I, I was going to say, we've, you've really been working on this Shane is a website or should I let you announce that? <laughs> uh, it doesn't really matter to me, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so over the, the Christmas holiday, uh, I had a, a couple weeks of vacation and one of the, one of the items or one of the things I wanted to do was, was, you know, work on a, a website for us um, and, and really to have a website that supports the podcast. Um, one of the things that, you know, I think has frustrated both of us is that, you know, we do a podcast about visual astronomy. We reference a lot of visual things, whether it's a star chart or a picture of a telescope, um, but we don't have a real good way or means of sharing that with people listening. And I, you know, I think that that's, um, in a way, I think that that's a big miss um, because it's hard to visualize some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we would use Twitter a little bit um, to tweet out some photos and screenshots, but, you know, not everyone is on Twitter. It's not the most accessible thing. And, you know, there's some other issues there too. Um, so the website has always been on the, the to-do list and uh, yeah, we finally got it launched. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, and thanks so much. I just want to say like, thanks. Like you're, you're the one that really uh, did all the heavy lifting on that. And uh, I, I certainly, certainly appreciate it. Um, little, little bit of a, of a role reversal there because I, I'm the financial backer for this, this endeavor. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've, yeah, been, you've I, been bankrolling us so far. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that too. Um, so, so the address is, uh, you know, www.actualastronomy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some basic stuff there right now. So it has, um, it has like, if you want to listen to the podcast, I think it has like the five or 10 most recent podcasts, uh, you just press play and away you go. Um, we, we have a blog function on there too. And this is probably the biggest enhancement or the biggest thing that I'm excited about for or excited uh, uh, for the website. And that gives us the ability to post show notes, to post photographs, uh, screenshots, um, and it'll be a good reference. So um, we, we probably won't post every set of show notes on there because it just, no. it doesn't make sense. Like for this particular episode, Chris, I don't think we'll post these show notes because they're not really, right. they're not really a good reference. You and I are just kind of talking. <laughs> if we're, catch, we're catching up really. And yeah, there is a big component of this podcast, which is just two amateur astronomers chatting. And this is exactly what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. But episode 83, we talked about uh, observing deep sky objects in Orion, Taurus and Perseus. That's an awesome set of show notes to put up on a website because people Mm -hmm. can go back, reference the objects that we were talking about. Uh, You included a number of um, like finder 
charts and things Mm -hmm. within those show notes. So that's all up on the website right now. And going forward, we will selectively uh, put the show notes up when they add value or when they will serve as a good reference. Um, And I think that will be awesome. Uh, the other thing yeah. that we are hoping to use this for is, you know, in the past people have submitted awesome sketches or photographs of their gear and we would love to have that keep coming. And, you know, the intent in, in receiving them on a go forward basis would be that we would post them on the website, give you full credit. Um, but I think that there's yeah. a lot of value in sharing that stuff because, um, you know, when others, when other astronomers see gear or sketches or whatever it might be, um, I think that it's motivating and it can give other people ideas for what they could do with their stuff. So uh, I'm excited for that capability. Um, what else is there? So you can also subscribe to um, kind of a mailing list for the website. And what that does is if we post something new to the blog, you'll get an email notification in your inbox just to say, hey, oh, that's actual cool. astronomy guys have posted something new. So then that means you don't have to like keep going back to the website on a regular basis um, if you want. Um, And then the last thing, yeah, I think this is it, is um, uh, we've had a number of people reach out to us, a number of listeners saying, hey, you know, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, Wouldn't mind supporting it, help you out with some of the expensive. Do you have a Patreon? Uh, And up to this point, we have not. Um, But we have now uh, a Patreon and it's linked on the site bottom of the page uh and we still have a like our uh little bit of merchandise that we sell with our logo on it some hoodies t-shirts mugs and a couple of other things mm-hmm. um so we get a little bit of that profit um so that's also new um so excited for that um yeah and, and our, we're our, oh, go ahead i was just gonna say we're really what we're trying to do is we're trying to cost recover like we're not, we're not trying to, to really like make money uh, per se, but uh, uh, really, and, and getting this website up and, and it had been sort of on our to-do list and uh, kind of what, what prompted it was the fact that several people had reached out and, uh, and we, we've had a few people make uh, donations and uh, purchase stuff. So it's kind of given us the uh, kind of the uh, motivation to kind of go through and say, okay, well, like we kind of have a little bit of money now that we can, uh, sort of uh, put into this because we can kind of keep adding things on until uh, you know the powers that that be say hey how come you're spending so much money a month on, <laughs> on this thing it's you know that, that could be an uncomfortable conversation so we're we're really happy that uh, that some people have uh, have stepped up and uh, and provided a little bit of of support there so so that's really cool because it's kind of just been enough to kind of get things rolling but uh, I think like ultimately Shane we we would it would be great to be able to kind of cost recover, um, you know, what we're, what we're kind of putting into, uh, to get the show running in that, uh, certainly I love doing it. Like, you know, it's, it's great, but I think, um, I think we're kind of getting towards the, the end of what we can sort of fund out of our, out of our own pockets, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the website is also, uh, or, or kind of the, maybe some of our intent or methodology in launching this thing was to get a strong foundation up. And I think we have that, um, we'll look at maybe adding enhancements to the website in the future. Like, um, I would really love just like a user submission area where people could post their own photos, their own observations and, and not necessarily have to go through us. Um, but anyway, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. This is a good start. Um, and, and we'll, you know, enhance it as we can, um, in the future. 
Um, and I'm excited to, I'm excited to have it. I think it's awesome. And uh, we had a longtime listener, Phil from the UK, do a little testing on the website. Mm. And also thanks to Phil yeah. for uh, the Patreon support. Uh, he's our first mm. and uh, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, thanks so much, Phil. Yeah, put put that in here and in sort of big bold letters to say thank you to Phil for his his contribution there because uh, that definitely uh, put us over the top of making sure that uh, that we sort of get rolling on the website and then as well like uh, if people want to let us know what what they want to see on the site or if 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 you have an idea or something just send it to us and and we'll work to uh, to get it up there. Um, I think originally at least I was thinking oh we'll kind of get it all rolling and then tell people. And then I think just as we've been talking about a chain, I think it's better just to kind of let people know that, uh, that we're working on it in that way. Uh, if people have some ideas, uh, sort of now would be the time to, to check out actualastronomy.com and then, uh, and then let us know what you think. And then we can kind of take it in, in those directions versus just like us plunging ahead and putting up a bunch of stuff or doing stuff that, uh, that uh, people may not be as interested in. So, yeah. So thanks so much to Phil. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Um, definitely feel like some things are, are coming together for, uh, for this. Uh, I, I want to say pandemic project. I mean, I, I think that's kind of what it is in a way, and we hope to, to continue it, um, you know, for a long time to come. Yeah, for sure. And, and that is not a stock photo on the, uh, the, the opening page there, that's oh, yeah, a that's photograph right. of uh, when you and I were at Grasslands National Park, West Block. Yeah. And uh, that's my Skywatcher 120ED uh, with a bino viewer that I no longer own. But <laughs> I remember that night. I remember that. Yeah. Night. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good night. Yeah. 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 I know that was, that was amazing. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, but yeah, I think that was like two or three years ago anyway. Yeah. Few, I think you're uh, right. Or maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember now the date. Um, but yeah, it was, a uh, at least a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, when we get out, we'll be able to take some more photos. It would also be cool. Like if, if people have photos of their gear, if they want to send us photos of their gear, um, it would be really fun to, uh, to put those up even like people's binoculars or telescopes or observing sites or set up at their, at their observing sites. That would be, that would be really cool. Cool to see. Cause we were saying, Oh, we don't have, we have a few photos, but often when we're, we're setting up, it's really like, okay, we're all set up. All right, I'll take a quick photo. And then I take a photo and it's sometimes not very good. Um, but at the same time, I think you start to get a, get a feeling for, for the sites and, uh, you know, like in, in that photo there, which is, which is a cool photo that the telescope almost like disappears. Like it's such an amazing vista up there. It looks like the Serengeti or something where, where we observe. And that like is a real legitimate spot where I think you were set up maybe 10 feet in front of my tent. So like when I, mm -hmm. when I woke up in the morning, I'd have this great view except for Shane's telescope still sitting there in a cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, I took away your front yard. <laughs> it was fine, but I think, I think not quite, but, but it was like within maybe 10 or 12 feet of, of where our tents were set up. I think you were set up sort of on one side. I was set up on the yep. other and around uh, the one tree that's there and that sort of thing. So, um, but that, that, that is probably, probably that's one of our most used observing sites. And I think if people take a look at that, you'll be kind of astounded to think that that, that field that kind of you're, you're sort of uh, looking out over is about uh, maybe 10 or 15 kilometers uh, across. And then the park owns the land as, as far as you can see to the horizon. And then I think about two or three times that distance uh, beyond the hills. So, uh, and there's no lights in it. So, uh, 
it's quite the place. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's exceptionally dark. Um, love it there. Uh, you know, I, I looking at these photos makes me really wish uh, we could get there tomorrow. But um, oh well, yeah. patience, and hopefully we get there this summer. Yeah, sounds good. Well, Shane, do you have anything else to uh, to add there? No, that's everything. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. And uh, so as disorganized as this podcast was, the next podcast is going to be our most organized one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.